Justice, demand Judd, the injury, accident, professionals, first class service, Judd gets it done, maximum compensation's our goal, see JudshawInjuryLaw.com, demand Judd Shaw, Injury Law, 732-888-8888, Welcome to Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. And now, here's your host, Greg Giambarisi. I think you guys are really going to like this one, because third baseman Nick Ward, our guest on episode 61 of Hook, Line, and Split. It's presented by Judge Shaw Injury Law. We understand the toll that injuries take on families, and we're here to help. For a free consultation, call 1-866-909-6894 or visit JudShawInjuryLaw.com. Judd with two Ds, ShawInjuryLaw.com. Good day, everybody. I'm Greg Jambarisi. Nick Ward, our guest today, started his uh, Blue Claws career with a seven-game hitting streak, has six stolen bases already, hit a home run uh, last Saturday in short town. We talk about that, but a lot about his his background in, in the last couple of years for Nick Ward, an amazing story. He's from Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. Grew up a huge Phillies fan. Vividly remembers details from the 2008 postseason and, and, that, and that run from that era uh, when he was about 12 years old and then you know, into uh, into high school when they went on their, their next run trying to win that second title. So we talk about that and his time playing independent ball with the Washington Wild Things in Pennsylvania. He goes to play for Team Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. He plays for the Adelaide Giants in Australia over the winter and now with his hometown team and favorite team growing up, the Phillies, and here with the Blue Claws. It's a great story, and he was awesome in this interview. We thank him so much for uh, for being a part of it. And joining us today on episode 61, Nick Ward, Hook, Line, and Splitter, a Jersey Shore Blue Claws podcast. Our guest, Blue Claws third baseman, Nick Ward, joins us from Aberdeen. Blue Claws there for the week. Nick, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I know it's been uh, quite a whirlwind year for you, so uh, there are so many different places we can start, but I guess we'll, we'll start here. How do you think the, uh, the season started off for you so far? Uh, personally, it started off pretty well. Obviously, that's not um, that's not the whole story, but um, the team itself has uh, – we've struggled to get in the wind column a little bit, but, um, you know, it's a long season and um, things are things are going to turn around pretty quickly. So it's obviously very – it's very early. So, yeah, as, you're right, as you said, uh, a very long year, and uh, you guys will do just fine. Um, you hit that leadoff home run the other day on, I think, Friday in Lakewood – did you know that ball was gone when you hit it? Um, no, I didn't. I was just hoping that it was going to be in the gap, to be honest with you. Um, I was hoping that they just wouldn't run it down, but then I saw it clank off the top of the wall and umpire start swiveling their fingers. So Yeah, always a good always a good feeling. Um, so that ball hit off that target. Mm-hmm. So they have that target there with the dragon, and then if uh, if you had done that in the fifth inning – a uh, fan would have won ten thousand dollars. Did you guys? Did anybody say anything to you about that when you get back to the dugout? Did you realize it hit the target? Um, everyone told me when I got back. They said, "Hey, we're uh, we're splitting the ten thousand dollars between the team." And I said, "Yeah, right." <laughs> <laughs> Fifth inning. Fifth inning only <laughs> for that one. Um, oh well. Oh well. Yeah, maybe maybe next time. What's kind of, what's your what's your approach been at the plate? I know uh, you kind of moved into that leadoff role. Uh, over the last couple of games, 
you swung at the first pitch uh, on your leadoff home run on Friday. What's kind of your approach as the leadoff hitter? And had you been a leadoff hitter before? Yeah, so um, I've pretty much hit leadoff um, or second, close to the top of the lineup my entire my entire life. Um, but uh, I'm I'm really comfortable in the leadoff spot. I hit leadoff in independent ball, hit leadoff in Australia, and um, and pretty and always comfortable when when Bull asks me to hit leadoff whenever whenever he does. So, um, but my my approach is literally just I need to have a good at bat and just somehow find a way to get on base and start a rally for for the power guys that are behind me. So I guess we'll kind of take this in reverse chronological order. So so back it up to March. You're in uh, in Phoenix, Team Great Britain. You had played for them uh, in the fall before. What was that overall WBC experience like, uh, you know, like for you getting to play for, for Great Britain and play against the U.S. and some other powerhouse countries? Um, well, first of all, getting to play for a country, let alone just any team, was it, it carried it, it, it meant that much more right so getting to play baseball and professionally anyways is always a blessing but then getting to do it and represent where your family's from was also like that was really 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 special to just to begin with and then getting to play against a glorified major league baseball all-star team right which was it it, it almost didn't feel real like the first, the first couple innings of that first game, or I should probably say the first, the first inning of that game, it, it, it felt like I was dreaming because there was 40,000 plus people in the stands and I'm playing against guys that I've idolized for years and, it, and, I, and I'm playing first base that day. So I, I'm getting to talk to all of them. So it was, it, it was surreal if I could just use one word. Who were some of the players that made it to uh, made it to you there at first? I think every single person in that lineup made it to first base. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'd already I'd already gotten a chance to talk to JT Romuto and Kyle Schwarber quite a bit in spring training, um, but I got a chance to talk to Kyle Tucker and Paul Goldschmidt, and um, I'm a big Eagles fan, so I so I made sure I told Mike Trout, "Go Birds." Um, <laughs> I talked to Mookie Betts a little bit too, um, but yeah, I, every single person was 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 great. When did the WBC option become available to you? When when did you start talk to the baseball Great Britain folks? Yeah, so it was summer of 2021, I believe. So I had one of my one of my friends, um, the last WBC qualifier was spring of 2020 um, but it got canceled because of covid and one of my friends was playing for team brazil and, um, and i just asked him about like what that experience was like and he told me nick if you ever get a chance to do something like that you have to do it like it's it's a no-brainer you have to do it so i was thinking like looked up the rules for qualifications and Knowing that my mom was born in England, I was like, "Well, let's see if let's see if England or Great Britain has a baseball team." So, did a little bit of research, found out that there was a Great Britain uh, men's national team, 
and just sent an email to the British Baseball Federation, like explaining who I was and uh, that my that my mom was born there. My grandparents were born and raised there. And I still qualify for British citizenship, so I would be able to to play for the team. And just wondering if they had uh, had any room or interest in bringing me onto the team. And within um, within 24 hours, I had gotten an email back from our manager Drew Spencer asking when I could like hop on a phone call with them. And I hopped on a phone call with him the next day, and um, and then I was on like the preliminary roster for the qualifier, and then uh, yeah, I had to get like my my British passport sorted, and it was a whole it was a whole mess of things. But um, it was probably yeah a couple years ago, twenty twenty one. So your first experience playing for them was in the qualifiers. Last fall, correct? Fall of twenty two. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So where'd you play? And uh, it was in it was in Europe somewhere, right? And how many teams mm-hmm. made it? And what was it like when you guys finally broke through and officially qualified? So uh, it was in Regensburg, Germany. So I was in the Frontier League playoffs in that fall, and if we had won our game then if we'd won the series i would not have been able to go to germany um but there was somebody somebody who had made the initial 25 or 28 man roster whatever it was had gotten hurt so <clears throat> so they added me to the roster as soon as we lost so we lost on a sunday i Packed up all my stuff and drove home on a Monday and flew to Germany on Tuesday. Wow. And then, so from there, it was, um, so Germany was obviously the host nation of that qualifier. And then there was Great Britain, um, Spain, France, and South Africa in our little qualifying pool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, and two teams actually... There's a Czech Republic. Did I say Czech Republic? Yeah. And South Africa, yeah. Czech Republic and South Africa. Yeah, okay. I, I, I couldn't remember if I said that. Um, so two teams from each qualifying pool advanced to the to the actual World Baseball Classic. So um, we ended up winning the whole qualifier. We we won on a walk off against Spain in in the third game. Ten nine and. It was ten to nine, yeah. It was yeah. like that was the cra- one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of. And look, you guys were down nine to. Looks like you were down nine to six. Scored mm-hmm. two in the two in the seventh, one in the ninth, and then one in the tenth. Yeah, when <clears throat> so one of our teammates, who um, was a high school draft pick by the Toronto Blue Jays, he's I think he's twenty or twenty one years old now. But at the time, he was 20, and he uh, he that that one run in the in the ninth inning, the bottom of the ninth inning, he hit a home run to tie the game. And Jayden, that as Jaden Rudd, Jaden Rudd, yeah. So whenever he did that, like I I had no doubt in my mind that we were winning that game. That was like 
as soon as he did that, that was one of the coolest moments I have ever been a part of on a baseball field. That's awesome. So you guys qualified, and then <clears throat> was there a camp at some point? And I know you you ended up going to Australia a few months after that anyway. So was the next time you guys were together as a team in Phoenix getting ready for the USA game? Yeah, yeah. So we actually had um, – the roster was a little bit different <clears throat> the second time around for the actual WBC. Um, so a lot of us still had to wait and see if we were going to be on the team mm-hmm. or not. And with that being my first uh, – GB baseball tournament, I was still a little bit unsure if I was going to make the team or not. Um, so, but then, yeah, we, the, the, the next time we all pretty much saw each other was, uh, was at our little workout camp, um, in Phoenix. We worked out at the, at the Milwaukee Brewers spring training facility for probably about three or four days before the, uh, before the tournament started. So you end up, um, you end up out there, they, you know, they call your names out and, and everything. And I'm sure your folks were, were your folks out there? They were, yeah. To watch it. Yeah. So what's the whole week like? Cause you're, you know, you're getting ready to play you at USA and obviously they're an all-star team. And then you have a couple other chances trying to get a, get a couple of wins <clears throat> and maybe advance. What, what's that whole, you know, week that you're out there in Phoenix, like both on the so field and a, off the field. Yeah. Sure. So, um, you get a little bit, of, you get a, you get a little taste of like the big league life, right? So you're, you're trying to enjoy it and soak it up, especially for those of us who haven't lived the big league life mm-hmm. yet, hopefully. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Um, um, but at the same time, you're trying to remain focused on the goal that, or the the task at hand, right? So it's a it's a it's like a mix of emotions type of thing. So like you you put us in a really nice resort, and you're trying to enjoy the time with your family that you have, but you're also trying to have some have a lot of fun with your teammates and remain focused on what you're trying to do and trying to win baseball games and yes, all scouting meetings and all these things. So at first it was it was honestly pretty stressful, um, trying to coordinate everything, get everything, everything in order. Um, but when I came down to it, it was it was unbelievable, right? Because like I said, you're off the field, you're in this super nice resort, and you're all you're all you all get your own rooms, and um, you get to be close to your teammates, but also have enough time to spend with your family and. Um, and then when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. So it, it was, it was, the whole thing was pretty, pretty unbelievable. So who else, um, did you guys play in Phoenix? So we played, we started with the USA, then we played Canada, then we played Colombia, and then we finished with Mexico. Who were some of the, uh, the best or, I mean, you faced good pitching before, but who who's some of the who was the pitcher that stood out to you that, like, oh man, um, or I got a pretty good swing off him, or I want that one at bat back against this guy. Um, 
I would say, let's see. Well, I think Taiwan Walker was probably the hardest pitcher that I faced. Okay. And he, when, when he started for Mexico, um, everything just looked the same. Yeah, everything just looked the same. It was I have no idea how anybody hits him. Um, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I would probably say like if I could relive my the, my bat against Adam Wainwright or my two at bats against Adam Wainwright, that would be I would want to do that. Just because, like that, he's a he's a future Hall of Famer, and my mm-hmm. first at bat only lasted three pitches, and I would have wanted mm-hmm. it to last a little longer. Yeah. So, uh, one of your teammates was Vance Worley, and another one of your mm-hmm. teammates was Tyler Visa, and they both mm-hmm. played here too. That's right. That's right. We talked about that when we were out there. I don't know. I don't know Vance. He was before me, but I know Tyler. Great guy, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that he's still because uh, he was here. Eight nine years ago now, so I'm glad he's still uh, still yeah, playing. I'm sure that was a great experience for him. He's he's playing overseas right now. Oh, where is he? So, I think he's in Taiwan. Oh, good, good for him. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, I'm glad he got that opportunity. Yeah. So before the WBC, you're in Australia with several of your current teammates. Uh, how did you end up going out there, and how'd you hook on with with Adelaide? So they actually reached out to. Um, my pitching coach in uh, independent ball because they're, I guess their I guess recruiting staff or player development staff was scouting. And um, our pitching coach went to college with one of the guys on our coaching staff in Adelaide. And, and um, so he just reached out to him, asked if I was interested in coming and, I sat, I had a phone call with the general manager, Nathan Davison, and just he explained the Phillies connection. And as soon as he said the Phillies connection, I was in. Yeah. So you, I, I go ahead. Because I, I grew up a diehard Phillies fan. So was, as soon as he said that yeah, we have a connection with the Phillies and potential to get you a, a spring training invite there. So I was, as soon as he said that, I was, I was in. So Tank is here, obviously. Did and you had any? You'd never met him or anything before you flew out there, right? Nope, I never have, never did. And then you became one of the best players, not just for them, but in the in the whole league. You know, had had it, uh, how did you feel that that went? I know you hit you hit eleven homers in hundred and fifty some odd uh, at bats out there, and you guys won won the championship too. So what what was the what was Adelaide like? How would you describe your your winter ball experience? Uh. <laughs> I mean, I I re-signed to go back, so I don't oh, know. <laughs> that that probably that probably says it all, right? Um, but you know, the the whole goal was for us to win the the Claxton Shield of the the ABL. So they hadn't won in forty three years or so, something like that. 42, 43 years. So and they've been close a few um, times. They've been close a couple times, but they could never break through. So, um, you know. To me, there were the group of guys that was there. Like we all, we all loved each other. It was that it's that simple. Um, we all wanted to play for each other. Um, so, yeah, I had a great individual year, but I I said in a few interviews that I would take a ring on my finger over any individual award. So, and that's and that ended up 
that's what ended up happening. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a huge reason why a, a few huge reasons why I, I, uh, I wanted to go back. What was the, how would you kind of assess, um, well, I guess we'll start with this part. It's kind of funny now that you have, I think six guys plus tank that are with the blue claws. Now that we're with, um, with Adelaide, is that something that you guys kind of reminisce fondly about when you're just hanging out around the batting cage or whatever? <laughs> Absolutely. We, when we were breaking spring training, we made a joke that we were, we were the Lakewood giants. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, it's, um, especially I can, I can really only speak on this personally, but, um, you know, with this being my first year with the Phillies and knowing a lot of the guys or all of the guys that played in Australia really, really well, it, it adds a sense of comfortability to it. It's like seeing familiar faces and um, hearing Tank's voice, which is a familiar voice as well. It's just, it's kind of settling in a, in an unfamiliar place. So oh, yeah. kind of putting, putting my nerves at ease and um, just allowing me to just go play. Did, um, does he kind of did he kind of make the transition for you to the Phillies a little smoother? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Because when I showed up to spring training, I had never been to the Carpenter Complex before, so um, I had no idea where to go, and I so I had to call him, and he showed me around the whole place, and um, so he he made it pretty seamless. The the championship series in Adelaide, you guys lost the first game, right? And then had to fly back and went back to back. And you're able yep. to do that. What was the was there a tense point in game two, maybe, or or game three where um your back was kind of against the wall and, and how did you guys get through that? Yeah, I mean it was it was as soon as we lost game one. Um yeah. As soon as we lost game one, our backs were against the wall the whole time. Right. But um, we knew in game two, I said to pretty much everybody, I was like, guys, the pressure is on them because yeah, they won game one, but now they're in our house. And if they, if they lose this game, if we win this game, there's no way that they're winning game three. So they have to win tonight. And if they don't, they're going to lose. So, I think like that kind of mindset that we had was just kind of like, we don't, there's no pressure on us. We're just going to go play. This is, we had a joke. It was like, cause we played at our, the, our, our field was at West beach mm-hmm. in Adelaide. So it was, um, it was our beach. Uh, I like that. It was our beach. So like no, no one was going to come in there and, and take that from us. So it was like a sense of pride that we, that we all have. So, um, we never really, yes, our backs were figuratively against the wall, but we never really felt like that. What was your favorite part about living in Australia? Off the I was right. I was right next to the beach. There you go. So they, they, they put me in a really good situation. So my, I had two roommates, one who plays for the Colorado Rockies and one guy who actually had a little short stint with the Phillies. Um, but it got cut short by COVID. Um, so we both lived, all, all three of us lived in a house, um, uh, just on the other side of the road from the beach. So I, I would wake up, make my cup of coffee and look out and there's the ocean. 
And on the other side is the Adelaide Hills and all the mountains. So it's like I got the best of both worlds. Back to the podcast in a second. Since 1986, Rich Green Lawns has been the leading lawn fertilization company of the Jersey Shore, providing lawn fertilization, bedweed control, ticket mosquito control, as well as tree and shrub programs. Mention this ad and save 50% off your first lawn application. Call or text us today at 732-370-5963, 732-370-5963, or richgreenlawns.com. And when shopping for appliances, electronics, and mattresses, you want a local hometown team that you can trust. That's PC Richard & Son. PC Richard & Son is a friendly and knowledgeable sales team, installations and repair service you can trust, and the guaranteed lowest prices. So get to PC Richard & Son today. Shop smart, shop local, shop PC Richard & Son. And it's it's nice, right? You play four days a week. I talked to Jared Carr about you played four days a week, and then you'd, I know he said you'd work out a couple days, you know, a couple hours at the stadium, and but you have one day off, so it's a little less. Um, it's it's not quite like here where you're playing every day, basically, or six days a week. Yeah, that's right. You can so, kind of enjoy it a little more. Right, exactly. So that that was a big reason why I initially decided to go because, um, you know, I played every day in Washington, Pennsylvania, and then played for Great Britain. And then, but I was trying to, earn an opportunity to come back to an affiliated team. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I didn't want to be so exhausted by the time I got to spring training that I couldn't perform. So it was like having those four games a week, plus having time to enjoy being in a, a country that's all the way across the world. Yeah. When, when, Um, when else are you going to have that opportunity? Exactly. And I get to do it for free and I get Mm -hmm. paid to do it. Right. So, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I do something like that? So you signed with the Phillies in December, while you were That's right. while you were out there, right? So uh, I know that one of your goals when you went out there was to earn a spot within with an affiliated team. Did that kind of like take a weight off your back, or, and how the whole signing thing come together? Um. Yes and no. So it was like I was pretty conscious of like. If that, if I were to achieve something like that, was keeping the same hunger and sense of urgency that I had on the field. Because um, when I showed up, I was playing like I had something to prove, like why I why I deserved to earn another opportunity. Mm-hmm. And now that when I achieved it, um, I didn't want to lose. I didn't want to be like the guy who signs a contract and then starts playing terribly. Right. So I I was very conscious of like, all right, I did this, but the job's not done. So the goal was still to win a championship. Right. So I was like, I still need to, I still need to be at my best for the majority of the year to make sure that that to, to do my part in making sure that that, that was to come about. Which you guys um, did, but which which is what we did, yeah. So, but yeah, it was um, the whole thing was pretty crazy. Like Tank from the beginning was telling me like he was going to do everything he could to to get me a job with the Phillies, and um, you know there was one night we had just set the the ABL record for consecutive games won, fifteen, and, uh, I twelve, twelve, sorry. 
12. Right, yeah. 12. So, um, and I had hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to tie the game um, for in that 12th, in that 12th consecutive win. And um, so we were, we were out having a little fun afterwards and tank sent me a message um, asking for my, my contact info to send to their pro scouting department. So, and that was that was probably the first time that I knew for sure that something was something was about to happen. But um, and then two days later, I was officially a Philly. So, um, yeah, it was it, was, it still kind of gives me goosebumps to think That's about awesome. it. It was like that. That was when um, that was when I kind of knew that my my two year my two or three year old dream was going to come true. That's that's really cool. And, and you know, you spent two years in an independent ball trying to, to keep it going. I know you, you played great there for, for Washington. And, you know, I think people kind of look at independent ball a, a certain way, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily fair. And I did a year myself in that league in river city, which no longer exists. Uh, they were in Missouri near, uh, on the other side of the river from gateway in the, uh, in the frontier league. And the, the quality of play there, especially at the higher level is, is, is very good. And what did you know? What did you learn, and what was your approach in indie ball? Was it just let's go there and try to earn a spot back at a back at an affiliate? You know, how did you take those two years with uh, in Washington? Yeah, sure. So, um, first of all, the independent baseball landscape has changed a ton because of how <clears throat> excuse me, of how the minor leagues has reshaped itself. So the draft when I was drafted was forty rounds. Yep. And they cut down the amount of minor league teams by 41 or 42 teams or whatever it is. And now with the new CBA, they're taking the amount of minor league players down from 180 to 165. Well, and not only that, before it went to 180, it was unlimited. So the teams would have exactly. 250 to 300. Right, exactly, depending on what your funds allowed. So uh, there's a lot of really, really, really good players in independent ball that are good enough and deserve affiliated jobs, but the numbers just aren't there. So the baseball is getting a lot better and a lot better. And yes, like you said, it, it might be a little bit unfair because um, there's a lot of people who don't necessarily see independent ball as pro ball, but the independent ball landscape, like it's, it's really good baseball. Um, and then to your, to your, to your question, you know, my first year after I was released, I all I wanted to do was play well to make it back to affiliated ball. And, you know, it kind of made it harder on myself because I had I had this goal and I, I was so steadfast on it. And if I played well, it was like, all right, I'm, it's going to happen. But if I played poorly, I thought it wasn't going to happen. So then my whole identity as a baseball player was wrapped up in where I was playing and what league I was playing in instead of just going and playing. So the last year I just kind of thought, you know, if I get, if I get picked back up, that's great. But if not, I've had a great career. I'm, I'm totally okay with not getting picked up. I'm just going to enjoy it. And um, then I ended up having a career year and here we are. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a fantastic story. And, and certainly a, a great sign of perseverance that any player can be uh, inspired by moving forward. 
so when you came out of college, you got you got drafted by the A's a couple of years in in their system. What did you learn your first go around in affiliated ball? Obviously, you're you're a, a little older now and more mature. What did you learn back then that that's helped you now? That it's a marathon. Yeah. Not not a sprint. You know, like the the college season is quite literally a sprint, right? You only play at when I was at Westchester, we really only played like 40 to 45 regular season games and in division one college baseball, you play 55. Um, But in the minor leagues, you play 140. Right. So um, you're, you're getting four times the at-bats you're getting, you have four times the games and it's a long, long season. You play six days it's, a week for it's every day. five months. Yeah. Right. So um, you really have to, you, you can't ride the wave of emotion. You have to be, it, it's the biggest thing is like, you have to be the same guy every single day. Whether you went 0 for 4 the last day or you went 4 for 4 the last day, whether you're 0 for your last 30 or whether you're 15 for your last 30. You have to be, you have to be the same exact guy every day. And that was like, that was probably the hardest lesson that, or the hardest transformation that I had to make when I was 22 and 23. Um, yeah, base, baseball is going to punch you in the face time and time and time again. It's going to force you to fail, but you just, you just got to embrace it. It's, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. You just got to put your nose up to it. You spent most of 2019 in Beloit. What what is the travel like in that division there in the, the western part of the Midwest League? So it wasn't actually too bad in the western part, but when we had to go to the eastern part, um, it was it was some there were some long bus rides yeah. in in there. Um, the western part, our longest bus trip, really wasn't that bad. Um, it was probably like five six hours maybe. Because, yeah, there were a few um, teams in Iowa at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's Burlington, Iowa, um, Cedar there's Peoria, Rapids. Illinois, Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids, yeah. Um, there was, uh, what was it? And Quad Beloit Cities. Beloitson, Wisconsin, Davin- to be clear. Da- yeah, Beloitson, Wisconsin. And we had the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, which is in Appleton. Um, so, yeah, I mean – the, the travel on the western side really wasn't too bad, but when we had to go to the eastern side, it was like Bowling Green, Kentucky was. Bowling Green is near nothing. It's near nothing, and it was. It, I think it was a. The the trip that we made there was about ten hours, and the air conditioner broke on our bus, so it was. It was relatively probably miserable. July in mid mid July too. Yeah. The and you that was Beloit before their new stadium, right? I think yep. it opened the yep. year we, after the 2021. We had the good old Pullman Field. At least you get tell uh, you get to tell some stories about some of those stadiums. I'm sure <clears throat> um, at some point. And now I know the the Philly system, and then uh, in this league, it's uh, I'm sure much nicer. Which is uh, which is. Yeah, I'll, I've I've told a lot of the a lot of the younger guys being the. They call me Uncle Nick or Grandpa <laughs> or Old Man. Um, I I th- I think there's no doubt in my mind that I'm the oldest guy in the league in high A right now. But um, so I've 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 had the opportunity and the privilege to play at some less than perfect stadiums, 
And uh, if anybody has any gripes about the facilities that we have or mm-hmm. that we're playing at, they don't know the half of it. I mean, Ver- Vermont, you were there, and no, not that long, but Ver- Vermont Stadium, I don't think, was built uh, within the it, last 15 years either. That was That's one of the oldest stadiums in the entire United States. Yeah. I think it was like 1907. Because it was University of Vermont's baseball field back when they had a baseball team, mm-hmm. and they they don't anymore. But I think it's Centennial Field. I think it's called. So, um, I mean, what a what a beautiful town, what a beautiful city, beautiful place of the world. But um, that away clubhouse, I've never been inside of it. But for my friends who have played on the opposing side. I think there's about 13 lockers. <laughs> it, it's a glorified broom closet. Yeah, so, that, I will say the the conditions at all these stadiums over the last 30 years, 40 years has substantially improved in most places. For sure. For sure. Well, especially um, now I, restructuring. Right, and then that was the whole. That was the whole one of the whole purposes, right? It's like improve the quality of life of minor leaguers. Uh, all right. I don't want to keep you all day. I know you got you got a game tonight. Um, Phillies growing up. So do you remember the 08, the 08 World Series? Um, I'm sure you do. Vividly, vividly. Yeah. Did you go to any games? What was that? What was that like? Because you're an impressionable kid at that time. Um, so I was about, let's see. 13, 12. 12, 13. Yeah. So I was. Uh, That's the perfect age. To have sixth or seventh grade. grade? Yeah, that's the perfect age to have your team kind of break through. It, it, yeah, on a on a young kid, I think it probably means the most at that at that age. For sure, um, I did not go to any games, um, but I watched every single game with my dad just sitting in our living room, and uh, I remember exactly where I was, exactly what I did. I remember exactly what I was wearing when um, Brad Lidge struck out Eric Hinsky. Um and I got to hear Harry Callis make his make his famous call. Um so did you have the you would listen to the radio? Yeah, so we, so obviously Harry Callis wasn't on the on TV. the on the TV. Yeah. But my dad had it on like the the I think it was the 610 AM radio at the time. Uh-huh. That's awesome. And then, so we could listen to him, but we could also listen to like Tim McCarver and um, Joe Buck and all the the guys talking about the uh, the actual game itself, and um, and obviously listen to Chris Wheeler as well too. So, um, but yeah, I got to I I I remember it very very vividly. Who were your favorite Phillies growing up? Um, I was a huge, huge, still am a huge Chase Utley guy. Um, <clears throat> my dad always told me, he's like, if you're going to play like anybody that's in the big leagues, you need to play like him. So he, he played the game incredibly hard. He was, he didn't always look like he was having fun. Cause he was very stern look, very serious guy. Um, and that's not exactly something that I do. I like to talk to the other team. I like to have a little fun. Um, 
but I pl- I feel like I I want to play the game the right way, and that's running every running out every ground ball, sprinting to bases, um, never taking anything for granted. Um, so I think that was a he was definitely my favorite player. Is that how you started batting left-handed? My dad tried to make me a switch hitter, like Jimmy Rollins. But um, I wanted to be Chase Hutley too bad, so I just stayed left-handed. That's amazing. I mean, that, that was a pretty smart decision, whoever thought you had to bat left-handed. Or whatever yeah, I mean, you had well, to bat left-handed in the first place. Well, he, he actually tried to make me bat right-handed at first, but I just I just always went to the other side of the plate. When so you were, when I, you were I, like four or five? Like when I was even when I when I was when I was even younger than that. Oh, actually. nice. Yeah. So when I was like maybe two, he used to roll wiffle balls on the ground, and I would just take the wiffle ball bat and just try and hit him off the ground. And he tried to always make me do it right-handed, but I just always wanted to do it left-handed. So it just stuck. Do you do anything else left-handed? I play golf left-handed. I play ice hockey left-handed. I throw a lacrosse ball left-handed. But everything I do, like I write with my right hand, I eat with my right hand, I brush my teeth with my right hand. So, did you pl- you played did you play ice hockey in high school? I did, yeah. I did. What would have could you have played that in college? Not simultaneously, but with. Baseball. I feel like if I, um, I feel like I could have if I, like hockey was never like my main sport. Um, I felt like I was pretty good at it. Um, and I was asked to play for um, a, a, t- a top tier one team in our in our uh, in our area, mm-hmm. but I just never wanted to do it. It was something that I always kind of knew that I didn't really want to play college hockey. I didn't have the dream of being an NHL hockey player. Um, I had the dream of being either a PGA Tour golfer or a Major League Baseball player. But um, how is the golf like game I- going now? Um, it's, I'm a one handicap. So, oh, wow. so I played the other day at Eagle Ridge and shot even par. So, nice. um, it's, it's pretty good right now. Um, so, but that, that's probably one of my favorite parts of the season is having an off day and getting a chance to go play golf with my teammates. So, yeah. And in the, in the old system, many of your off days would have been spent traveling to the next spot too. Three, exactly. Four so off, four games. I'm day, pretty. Day. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty grateful for the new the new travel system where I can just enjoy my off day, enjoy my off days when I can, and hang out with my teammates. Who's the second best golfer on the team? Mm, I would probably have to say uh, Jason Rupcorn. He he uh, he's he's pretty good as well. There's a lot of really good golfers on our team, surprisingly. Did, did you play in Australia? A couple times, yeah. I didn't bring my clubs, so I'd use rental clubs, but um, I played with Tank a couple times. And it's tough to get rental clubs for a lefty, right? Or a good one? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the selections are few and far between. Yeah. Nick, I know you got a game tonight. Uh, thank you so much for a few minutes. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great work, and uh, good luck the rest of the week. We'll see you next week. Awesome, Greg. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Blue Cluster third baseman Nick Ward for a few minutes here on Hook, Line, and Splitter, presented by Judge Shaw Injury Law. Baseball fans introducing Bally Live, the only app where minor league baseball fans can score major rewards. 
When you stream your favorite teams live, you'll score rewards. When you chat with friends during a watch party, you'll score rewards. And when you test your skills at trivia, you'll score rewards. Being a fan of the minor leagues has never been so rewarding. So what are you waiting for? Download Valley Live for free on the app or Google Play Store. And start scoring rewards today. Remember, you can watch every Blue Claws game on the Bally Live app now this year, plus MLB TV, plus MILB TV. But for free, just download Bally Live in the App Store. Blue Claws are back home on Tuesday. Brooklyn Cyclones are in town. First visit of three by the Mets affiliate this season. Cyclones took two out of three from the Blue Claws up in Brooklyn to start the year, but Jersey Shore certainly had their chances to win that series, and they'll play six beginning on Tuesday, 6.05 Tuesday, in the infinite wisdom of the folks at uh, HQ uh, with a morning game on Wednesday. No game on Tuesday the day before can start before uh, or start later than 6.05. So that's why you have the, the weird 6.05 on Tuesday. You have 11.05 on Wednesday and then 6.35 Thursday, Friday, 4.05 Saturday, 1.05 on Sunday to wrap things up. We'll get another episode for you again next week. Thanks to Nick Ward, Blue Claw's third baseman. Hope you enjoyed it. Hook, line, and splitter. Presented by Judge Shaw Injury Law. It's a Jersey Shore. Blue Claw's. Hi.